Hi, my name is Ben, and you're listening to a public podcast. If you want more information about anything going on here at Public Church, visit our website at publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. I really hope that song, Faithful to the End, encouraged you, and I hope this talk also encourages you while also challenging you towards life change. And so first, I just want to thank you for joining us on Labor Day weekend. Like, I'm very aware that there are a whole lot of places you could be besides 930, most of which involve water. Okay, so you may be going to enjoy that later, but thank you for choosing to be with us this morning. And, and look, we notice, we appreciate you being here, and, and I'm really excited about where we're going today because we are in week two of our series called No Limits. So this is a series where we're just talking about where we are going as a church. In fact, we're answering and asking two questions. The first question is this, why are we here? Why are we as in public church? Why is public church here? Why are we as in you all? Why are you here? And then I hope that we'll also look in the mirror and say, why am I here? And then the second question we're asking is, where are we going? And know that we are going toward a future that Jesus has imagined for us, a future that has no limits. And I hope that throughout this series, I can provide clarity for the future direction while also leading us towards a no limits mindset. And the truth is, We can't fully answer the question, where are we going, in one week. And so that's why this series, it's really, really important. If you you could listen to all the talks, even if you can't be here. So the series started last week. It'll end not next Sunday, but actually next Tuesday. More on why it ends on a Tuesday later. But just really, really want to encourage you, if you missed last week, you can find that talk either on our public church app or just on your phone's version uh, of your podcast store, but you can find that. We'd love for you to track along with us. And so today, just to get us on the same page, we want to start with our source for our No Limits mindset. And that's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. This is the end of a prayer written by a leader in the early Jesus movement. He wrote it to a church. And I really, I cannot overemphasize the power in this prayer. In fact, when Whitney and my wife was pregnant with Liam, Tyler and Jade Goss, they're in our community group, they actually gave us a sign with this prayer on it. And Will Vest, he came and took um, newborn pictures of Liam. And we got this photo with Liam with the sign in the background. And so that was Liam several months ago. But this is Ephesians 3:20 and 21 in the background. Like, I think it's so powerful that we want these verses in our son's room. We want him to look at them every single day. We try to pray these verses over Liam's life every single day because I desperately want, with every fiber of my being, Liam to experience the power in these verses. And I desperately want the same for you and for me. I want us to continue to experience Ephesians 3, 20, and 21, both as individuals and as a church. So it's going to be on the screen. I'd love for us to read it together, and hopefully you can just get a glimpse of the power of these verses. Ready, go. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, can I be honest with you, 930? You read those very powerless, okay? That was like, 
is it Labor Day? Am I at the lake yet? Am I get a hot dog past the coleslaw? Come on, I mean, this is a powerful, life-changing prayer. So can we read it with some umph this morning? Maybe take a sip of coffee, slip out to the cafe and get some more coffee. And can we at least pretend like we're awake and read it? All right, here we go. One more time. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. So that is why we have no limits. Very good. I appreciate that. You guys improved a lot on that second time. The reason we have no limits is because of this verse. It's not because we're incredible, but verse 20 says it's according to the power at work within us. And we can know from that verse that God has plans that are far more abundant, that are immeasurably more than anything that we can imagine for ourselves. And so that's what we want to be talking about. And so as we talk about that, as we focus on the future and God's no limits plans for us, the question that we really want to ask today is where are we going for our community? Where are we going for our community? Because our future must benefit our city and the surrounding cities because that's actually built into our vision. Our vision is going to be on the screen. It's very simple. Our vision is to develop a public church that invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. Now, if you've been around for a while, I need some help. What does it mean to develop a public church? Yes, we're going to blur the lines between what happens on and off our campus. Therefore, we must have an impact on and off our campus, right? Our community off our campus must recognize that we are here for them. In fact, if we are not benefiting our community, if what we do on and off our campus does not benefit our city, we should just lock the doors and head to the lake right now and really never gather again. Because if we ask the question, all right, why are we here? The ultimate answer is in verse 21. So that God would be given glory in his church that's in us and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through every generation. But another answer underneath that ultimate answer of why are we here is we are here for our community. And it's very important that we understand that. The fact is some of you may be here and you don't follow Jesus because you have seen the opposite. You've seen or you've experienced Christians who appear to want everything from the community but don't offer anything for them, or you've simply observed Christians and churches who simply don't do anything for the community. And when you observe that, if that bothered you, good. You may actually have more in common with Jesus than you think, because that bothers Jesus too. See, Jesus wants us to be for our community, because if we imitate Jesus, we end up being for the world, for people. So this morning, let's talk about what it means to be going somewhere for our community. To have this conversation, we're going to be in Acts chapter 9. So you have your Bible or your Bible app. You can either go to Acts 9 or your Bible app. It's going to be on the screen. You can turn there. And here's a little context. We're actually dropping into a very sad scene in the story of the early Jesus movement. But we're going to learn from the ways of a lady a lady that clearly was for her community, a lady that made her community better. And ladies, 
little girl power in the house this morning for 930, know that from the very beginning of the Jesus movement, women have played a vital role in the growth and the building up of Jesus' church, and this lady is a shining example of that. So we're going to begin in verse 36. It says, now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Now, if you're thinking, okay, Dorcas may not be the best name. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, notice that she is a disciple. Before we get her name, we're told that she is a disciple. That means she is someone who has given her life to follow Jesus. Here's what that means. If you're here and you're trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus, we need to look at her life. If you're here and you already follow Jesus and you want an example of what it means to be a disciple, let's look at her life because she sets an example for us. And then for her name, Tabitha and Dorcas, two different names. It's the same name, just translated in two different languages. But here's what it actually means. It means gazelle. We have a picture of gazelle from our creative team. So aren't gazelles beautiful? Some of you hunters are like, where's my gun? No, don't shoot the screen, okay? It's all right. It's hunting season. You can go after this or tomorrow morning. It's Labor Day. No, but this is a beautiful animal. And actually, in the ancient Middle East, a lot of times gazelles were used as a comparison for beauty. So if you are a hunter, wouldn't it be nice if you could just go home to your wife and compare her to a deer and her be flattered? Wouldn't that be awesome? Feel like, babe, I was sitting in the tree stand and... This deer walked by and her coat just reminded me of your skin. You could say something about the deer's antlers. Wait, we may have said stuff like that. We'll just back up from there and keep going. Some of you will get that a lot later. Here's the point. The point is that Tabitha was a beautiful lady. What we're going to see is that she was also beautiful on the inside. Let's keep reading. Verse 36. It says, she was full of good works and acts of charity. The word full means full. Many, numerous, and charity means merciful acts often to the poor. When we see Tabitha as a disciple of Jesus, she was generous and consistently serving others. The message, which is a paraphrase, says she was well known for doing good and helping out. Are you well known for doing good and helping out? Am I well known? Here's another question for us as a church. What is the discrepancy between Tabitha's reputation and our reputation. What is the gap between Tabitha's reputation of someone who is well-known for doing good and serving those who are less fortunate and our reputation? As an individual and as a church, what is the discrepancy? See, if we go back to talking about where we are going and we want to go somewhere for the community, was Tabitha for the community? Yes. And as we keep reading, you're going to see it's abundantly clear that she is. Here's a problem that we face. A lot of times people can't tell if churches are for the community or not. A lot of times people can't tell if those of us who claim to follow Jesus are for the community or not. Because there's a discrepancy between how Tabitha is described and how our lives look. Here's the good news. We can close the gap. We can eliminate the discrepancy. We can be a generous serving disciple just like Tabitha. And the key word lies in the word acts. This word acts is an action verb. In the original language, it's actually in the imperfect tense. Here's what this means. She was doing acts of charity. And these acts were occurring. And there is no mention of their completion. 
She consistently, over and over again, developed the habit of doing kind things for others and helping the poor. For Tabitha, serving was not an event. For Tabitha, serving was a lifestyle. Here's our problem. A lot of times when we begin to talk about serving, we automatically drift to an event-based mindset. And we think something like this. All right, hey, I will give up a Saturday. Yep, I'll even get up early on Saturday. I'll be here at 8 a.m., and we're going to just go do some random projects. Now, those projects have to be done by 12, because after 12, we're all going to gardeners, and then I've got to watch football after that, and I've got other plans. But I will give up four hours, preferably once a year, maybe once every few months. You might get a few Saturdays out of me a year. But these projects, I don't really care that, you know, if they're connected or if they're related in any way. They can be random, but they just got to be done between 8 and 12, and I'll, I'll, I'll give up my time. And I'll show up, and I'll serve my heart out, and then I'll walk away feeling good about myself. And what we don't realize is that when we serve with an event mindset, our consciences are soothed while our selfish lives remain interrupted. Their consciences are soothed while our selfish lives remain interrupted. You know who benefits from that type of serving? Me. You. <laughs> Not the people we're serving. We do. Because we can walk away going, oh, I'm such a good person. Man, I served today. Did you see me digging that ditch? Man, I served. And we go back to our lives, and we just do our thing, and it's all about me. That's not who Tabitha was. For Tabitha, serving was a lifestyle that flowed from an identity. A lifestyle that flowed from an identity. So if we're going to learn from Tabitha, here's what we got to be able to say. We are servants so serving is what we do. We are servants. So serving is what we do. Let's get a little more personal. I am a servant. So serving is what I do. That's Tabitha. She couldn't turn off her serving. Her serving wasn't just on Saturday from 8 to 12. It was wherever she went. See, when we embrace the core identity of a servant, that's when we step into the lifestyle of serving. So for us, as public church, let's talk collective. If we embrace the identity of servants, that will be our lifestyle, and our community will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are for them. We'll talk about later how we do that as a church, but first, what is your identity? What is my identity? Is my identity a servant? Or am I somebody who's just trying to serve in an event so I can feel better about myself? You know, if we look beyond Tabitha, if you're like, okay, she's just one person, why would we imitate her? Look, this is the pattern of Jesus. If you've never read one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or even if you have, it would probably be beneficial to go back and reread those. And as you reread those, you see that Jesus doesn't get his boys and his, his, his ladies that are following him and say, hey, all you guys that are following me, let's show up on this one Saturday and then let's just chill for the rest of the time. No, wherever he was, whoever he was with, whatever he was doing, he was serving. Because Jesus was a servant, so serving was what he did. In fact, he served all the way to the cross where he gave his life and he died for us. There's the only way that we could be forgiven of our sins. The only way that we could enter into a relationship with God. There was no doubt that Jesus was for us. There is no doubt. There's no doubt. That the early Jesus movement, that his early followers were for their community. So what are we going to do 
about the discrepancy between us and Tabitha. I think the first thing is we may need to have some honest conversations and just go to the people we live with and say, hey, am I a servant? Not, not do I serve, but am I a servant? Ask your spouse. Definitely ask your kids, they'll tell you. Ask your roommate. Hopefully they'll tell you and then they'll look for a new apartment because you'll be mad. I mean, but really, we gotta be able to have some tough conversations. Ask the people you work with. And think about the things at work that no one wants to do. We all have a list of things like, oh, yes, it's done. Woo. Kind of walk by and act like you don't notice it and hope somebody else gets to it first. Would your employer, your fellow employees, your colleagues, your classmates, would these people say that you are a servant, that that's your core identity? And what we want to do as a church is, as a church, we want to help you cultivate the lifestyle of serving. We want to help you reorient your life around the core identity of a servant by serving here on our campus. See, here's how we think. We think that our campus is really a practice field. See, public church, what we do here on campus should affect how we live off campus. So what if all of us committed to serve on a team on Sundays? Hopefully it's not every Sunday. If we have enough of us, usually it's about twice a month, maybe a little bit more if you want to serve more. But what if you knew that twice a month on Sunday, you were going to get to go to practice? Now, look, practice is not always easy. For any of you, you're athletes, you're musicians. If you've done anything you've had to practice for, you know practice is not always easy. But during practice, you get better. You grow and you get reps. And that's what we want to happen on Sundays. Because it's way, way, way easy for you to just show up here and consume and consume and consume. And then we wonder why we just consume in our everyday lives. So why don't we show up here and go to work and get practice in serving? And that's why we have teams, Sunday teams, and, and they fit your skill set. Because we all have different ways that we like to serve, different things we like to do. So we try to offer them for you to find your place, something that you would enjoy. So watch this video. It's just going to give us a glimpse of the teams that we provide for you to practice on our campus. Amazingly, those people were having fun in, those, in that video, right? You know, like I think this is what we all know, if you know if we don't want to admit it. It would actually be more enjoyable to show up here on Sundays and give something rather than just consume. We know that, don't we? So it's time that we get out of our comfort zone and take a step into having the core identity of a servant. So we can all say we are servants and serving is what we do. And to help you do that, we're trying to remove every obstacle. So we've got team not coming up and this may be the best graphic we've ever come up with. Is that not incredible? That's awesome. The Power Rangers may or may not be at team night. We're just gonna build some suspense. But I mean, this is gonna be awesome. Here's what that night is about. It's a night for all of us to get reminded as to why we serve. A friend of public church, a great friend of mine, Matt Moore, he's going to be here. Public church is going to lead us in worship. Matt's going to give a very brief, about 10 to 15 minute talk reminding us why we serve. And then you're going to get to divide up into those teams on the video you just saw. And you're going to get to meet with those team leaders and get empowered and equipped to show up on Sundays and give. So that this can be practice time. And then when we get home, when we get to work, it's game time, but we've got our reps in, and we are ready to begin operating with this mindset, I am a servant, and serving is what I 
do. And as we keep reading, we're going to see that that changed a whole lot of lives because Tabitha had that mindset. Look with me at verse 37. Here's where this scene gets sad. It says, in those days, she became ill and died. This incredible lady passes away. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Now, this sounds kind of weird. They're like, oh, why don't they bury her? Well, outside Jerusalem, and they were outside Jerusalem, in this time period, it was acceptable to wash the body and wait three days, but they didn't have to. I really think they're expecting a miracle. I think that when she dies, they realize how devastating an impact that's going to be on their city because she was for so many people and she served so many people. And I think they've got some faith and they're like, hey, let's see what happens. Is that your mindset? Often it's not mine, if I'm just being honest. Often I'm just thinking, man, the natural processes are going to fall out. I'm not necessarily looking for a miracle. And I think part of this series is God saying, hey, I got plans that are immeasurably more than anything you can imagine. So give me some faith. <laughs> give me some room to do something unexpected, to do some miracles. So I know for me in my life, I'm trying to think, okay, how can I be more expectant of Jesus doing a miracle? And they're not only expecting the fact they don't wash her. Look what they do. They take action in verse 38. It says, since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. Now, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples who followed him around while he was on earth. And Peter's become a leader in this early Jesus movement. You're like, why in the world are they calling for Peter? Because in this place, Lydda, that's referred to, Peter had just been part of a miracle. There was a guy who'd been bedridden or paralyzed for eight years. And Peter came to him and said, in the name of Jesus, in the powerful, unrivaled name of Jesus, rise. And he got up. <laughs> eight years he hadn't walked. And in the name of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, that power that in Ephesians 3.20 is according to the power at work within us. That power unleashed immeasurably more than Peter or anyone else could have ever imagined. And this dude got up. So when Tabitha died, they're like, call Peter. The power of Jesus is in him. Don't, don't bury her. Wash her. Let's get Peter here quickly. And let's just see what Jesus does. What expectation they had. And then in verse 39, it says, so Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. Now pause here. We've got to get in the mindset. This is so emotional, so vivid, so sorrowful, this scene. So you're at a funeral. It's this person that has impacted countless lives. And Peter's been called in. And imagine we're walking in with Peter, and here's the scene. is that all the widows stood beside him. Weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. So what they're doing is they've got these tunics, these undergarments and these coats. And, and she's made them, probably out of her own money, for these widows who couldn't afford it. This beautiful woman named Tabitha had made these women beautiful. And they're just crying and, and devastated because they knew that she was for them. Because the city of Joppa knew that Tabitha was for them. And they're like, who's going to be for us because she's gone? And they're absolutely heartbroken. Because she served out of her core identity as a servant in a lifestyle of serving. So the question is, 
if public church was no more. I don't like to think about that any more than you do. But if we were no more, who would be crying because of how we serve them? If we went to public church's funeral, and look, that stuff happens. We're here in this space because a church died that used to meet here. So this is real. If public church ceased to exist, who would show up at our funeral crying because of how we had served them? Because now they're wondering, okay, I knew public church was for me. Now who's going to be my advocate? Who is going to be for me? Because if we die and no one notices, we're failing as a church. Then people clearly know we're not for them. But Tabitha had this group of widows show up to mourn. And here's one of the reasons. She actually lived out one of our core values. We have a built-in core value that motivates us, that prevents us from, showing, from, from having our funeral, having no one there. Here's the core value. It says this, we serve by coming alongside people rather than completing projects. That it's not about projects, but it's about coming alongside people. Continual action that occurs through a relationship. Here's how we know that Tabitha had done this. The last two words in verse 39 with them. She had made these garments while she was with them. That actually indicates that she was in the habit of continuously serving these widows as part of her lifestyle. See, projects, projects can be completed, but coming alongside people is never done. Projects can be completed, check, and then we go eat, and we go off to our life, and we just do our thing, and we forget about people, and our selfish lives are uninterrupted. But when we come alongside people through a relationship, <laughs> then we can make it a habit of serving, and we're actually never done in that. So, so here's what we do and what we're doing as a church. So we have partnerships. Those partnerships are going to be on the screen. These are people that we are coming alongside, just like Tabitha was coming alongside these widows. And, and understand that, yes, we're going to serve at events, but every event we serve at flows out of one of these partnerships, one of these relationships. We're going to say yes to them and say no to others, and we are never done serving them. We want to serve them and serve them. And here's the thing. If public church died and had a funeral, these people would show up. And they would be there as our advocates saying, we advocated for them. They would be the voice saying, I knew public church was for me. And so briefly, here's what they are. Family Promise is an incredible local nonprofit that transitions people out of homelessness. Come on, that's incredible. And we've been able to be a part of helping people literally go from homeless to in a home. And here's what we get to do. Twice a year, we get to enter into a relationship with these people, and we get to turn one of our buildings into basically a house. And throughout the week, we get to make a home-like environment for them in the evening. Isn't that incredible that we get to be a part of this great work? Stewart Elementary School is our neighborhood school. We help them pull off basically anything they're doing that's going to reach the community. Like when they've got something big going on where parents are coming in, it's very likely they're picking up the phone and they are calling us. And by the way, a litmus test for whether or not it's a partnership is whether or not they're calling us. And thankfully, we've gotten to the point where we don't have to call Stuart and say, what do you need, what do you need? They call us and say, are you available? Because <laughs> you're our friends and you are for us. Next, we have the International Friends Network, something that we don't talk enough about, but maybe one of the best things we do. It's real simple. 
We come alongside internationals in our community through friendship. We let them know that no matter what anybody else says, we are glad you're here and we are for you. And through friendships, we get to know them. See, actually, every Saturday in the Annex, a lot of you probably don't know this. This is incredible. Every Saturday in the Annex, this building right here, we have this thing called Conversation Corner where internationals come with volunteers from our church and some other churches, and they just get a chance to practice their English. We don't need to have ESL because Lee University has that. So we just want to supplement what Lee's doing. But they get to practice their English. Here's what's mind-blowing. There's a Muslim family coming to Conversation Corner, being surrounded by Jesus followers, and all they want out of it is better English, and they don't realize that they're getting Jesus too. Is that not incredible? We get to be a part of that. We've got development teams. Development teams come alongside people who are struggling so that all can experience restoration. Rather than giving a handout to people, we want to reach down and get in the mud with them. Because we may be with someone who's struggling with material poverty, who's maybe having trouble budgeting or paying the bills, but we're probably coming in with some poverty called arrogance. Some emotional poverty of we think we can roll in and fix everything, so we need to get in a relationship with them where we can become more humble and they can learn how to manage money better. We both have restoration to gain from the relationship. Our widows, and we have an incredible, incredible opportunity to just reach widows that are in our neighborhood. In fact, there's a family that's now coming and and being part of our public church family, and they sent an email to our office, and the email simply said, hey, we moved the area, here's why we came. Because somebody from your church was going to love on on my grandmother consistently. She's a widow. We're out of town. They're showing up at her house almost every week. I mean, all the time, consistent for over a year, just in her life, just spending time with her and loving on her. And we want to be a part of a church who's doing that for the widows that are just on these streets right around our campus. And I got to be honest, we're really picky about who does this because we're protective of our widows. We don't want you rolling in two times and then disappearing. They don't need that. They need people who are going to be there for the long haul in a partnership with them. And then our college students. Man, college students, we love you guys. Here's how we serve you. It usually involves feeding you. I mean, come on. You know, some type of food. But, but here's, here's our heart. We want to be your family. We want to do the things that your family would do. So when we have one of my favorite events of the year called Crammer's Corner. It's about relationships. And we're going to cook for you and we're going to provide never-ending coffee and never-ending snacks that you can study in the midst of finals because that's what a family would do. And there have been so many great relations. We actually had somebody surrender their life to Jesus at Cramer's Corner. Come on. And then we serve with Res Life at Lee University. And we serve at a couple of things that they do, but one of the best things is we get to serve at move-in day, and they're going to be serving literally all day, so we start the day off serving them. Hey, here's some Panera bagels. Here's some Starbucks coffee. You're going to be pouring out your life all day, so we want to start the day by pouring in to you, because that's what a family does. And then we've got sports teams, and we're looking for ways just continue to get more invested and involved in our sports teams. We got a lot of coaches that come here, high school and college. We got a lot of athletes that come here, and we know that oftentimes you're a commodity, Athletes, you can be honest. It's about how many points did you score, how many goals did you make, what are your stat line, how are you working, get your grades up. You always got to do, 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 do. Everybody wants something from you. We don't want anything from you. We want everything for you. 
and we just want to serve you and come alongside you. And so sometimes it's a meal for the team. Sometimes it's snacks. Sometimes it's doing a devotion to try to inspire you. But whatever you and your coaches need, we just want to come alongside that and be that family for you. And so a clear action that we can all take, and you can take it right now or you can take it a little bit later on at the very end of the talk, is you can get out your phone and go to publicchurch.com. That's our website, publicchurch.com. And if you go there, there's a button where you can click and it's called We Serve. And there, if you click on We Serve, it's a Google form where you can literally sign up for one of these partnerships. You can say, okay, I want to be a part of serving public church through these people. I want to I serve these people through public church. And, and, you know, here's why we're doing this today. Because we had an incredible, we're going to leave that up for a minute. So feel free, please go ahead and do that. We're, we had an, uh, Candace Parker served as our We Serve local intern this summer. And Candace did an incredible job. But during our exit interview, when she sat down with her direct leader, Sarah Harrington, and myself, she said, you know, I just felt bad because I felt like I was always asking the same people to serve. Like it was always the same 40 or 50 people, whether we were at Stewart or whether we were at Lee University or whether we were at Family Promise. I felt like it was always the same people. And here's what we came to understand as leadership, that we come alongside people, but not many of you do, if we're honest. We as a church have partnerships, but there's a whole lot of people coming to our gatherings that aren't in any type of partnership with anybody. And so we want to offer you the opportunity to say, I am a servant, and serving is what I do. And so I want to get in a partnership through public church with somebody so that I'm on a list, so that this isn't something that I have to do all the time, but that when Stuart calls, like, hey, can you do this for us, that I get called. And that over time, I'm showing up at everything we get to do for Stuart, and I'm getting to form a relationship with them. Because it's not random people come in, and it's not the same 40 or 50 that do everything, but it's this group that serves Stuart. And it's this group of people that serve our widows, and a group of people that serve our sports teams, and a group of people that serve through development teams, so that every single one of us can say, man, these are my people. Because it's not just about who would show up at public church's funeral, but who would show up at yours? Who would show up at mine? If we were gone, it's over. Would there be anybody there? I hope you haven't had to be at one of those funerals because it's real awkward when you're trying to find something good to say about people because they really didn't give a whole lot. I mean, th those are some of those sad moments, I think, on the planet. Let's not let that be our story. We have an incredible opportunity <laughs> to say, just like Tabitha said to the widows, these are my people, and any time an opportunity arises, I'm going to serve them through a relationship that's just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper over time. And then when it's our time to go, they're going to be the people at our funeral that are going, man, she was for me. He was for me. And, and here's why this really matters. If we want to talk about why it really matters, here's why it really matters. We keep reading. We're going to see what happens in this story. In verse 40, it says this, but Peter put them all outside. He put all the widows outside. He knelt down and prayed. Can we just stop for just a moment? As we serve, let's, let's do this. We're talking about serving, and if you're anything like me, it's like, all right, let's go do it. Stuart called, I'm there. Let's roll over Stuart. And probably before we get in the car and go to Stuart, who we're partnering with, we probably need to do this first. And say, Jesus, your no limits plan is only possible 
according to the power at work within me. And that's your spirit, Jesus, inside of me. So Jesus, first, would you just move? Would you let me be expectant? I'm looking for you to do far more abundantly than all I could ever ask or think. Because that's what Peter does. Interestingly, when Jesus did miracles in his time on earth, he never, ever knelt. He didn't have to. He was in charge. Peter knows his role. I'm not Jesus. I got to get on my knees and say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do anything for Tabitha without you. And so he gets on his knees, he prays, and then he says this, turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. People, she rose from the dead. This is incredible, a miracle. It says that when she saw Peter, she sat up in verse 41, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints, the church people, and the widows, he presented her alive. Here's what we need to understand about our serving. Here's why we serve. Because our serving paves the way for Jesus to showcase his no limits power. When we serve, we're literally paving the road for Jesus to show up and do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. Look, Peter never gets brought in from Lydda. The miracle never occurs if Tabitha doesn't first serve the widows as part of her lifestyle. Because she served as part of her lifestyle, they are devastated that she's gone. So they want her back. They send for Peter asking for a miracle. Peter comes, meets the widows, and Jesus blows everyone's minds. And then check out what happens next. It's incredible. It says in verse 42, and it became known throughout all Choppa, and many believed in the Lord. A result of our serving will be people following Jesus. A result of our serving, if we serve like Tabitha, will be people following Jesus. Look, we read this story and we're like, man, she was resurrected. That's the best miracle. No, it's not. It's not the best miracle in the story. It's temporary. She died again. The best miracle in this story is the fact that people surrendered to Jesus. Tabitha getting risen from the dead, raised from the dead, temporary. People becoming Jesus followers, eternal impact. That is the biggest miracle in this story, and that's going to be the biggest miracle that happens as we serve people. But look, for people to follow Jesus, we, we do have to do our part. See, if we're not inviting people to embrace the journey of following Jesus through our serving, we're not inviting through our serving, then our serving is incomplete. It doesn't say explicitly that Tabitha was telling these widows about Jesus, but here's why we can know that she did. The first thing, first word that was used to describe her wasn't her name, but it was disciple. You know what disciples do? They follow Jesus. You know what followers of Jesus do? They tell people about all the great things he has done in their lives. They tell people about the fact that he died for us, that he rose from the dead for us so we could conquer death. That's what we do. We tell people about him. So we serve. We got to let people know, hey, here's why we're serving. Jesus set the pattern. He died on the cross for you and for me. And then as we open our mouths and tell them that, let's expect Jesus, expect Jesus to do miracles with eternal impact, to lead people to follow him. So where are we going for our community? 
We're taking the next step into serving people, just like Tabitha. Not because we have something to do, but because a servant is who I am. It's our core identity, therefore, it is a lifestyle. And look, (laughs) just like in this story, there are no limits to what Jesus can do through our serving. If we'll just serve, there are no limits to what Jesus can do through our serving. So, so what do we do? What's our action from this talk? Then the first thing is to have an identity check. Look, if you're not a Jesus follower, you can go ahead and start serving. We want you to begin to serve with us. But there's going to be a limit to your serving because it's not your core identity. And the only one that can change your identity is Jesus. So until your core identity is I'm a Jesus follower, following his pattern of serving, giving my life away, just like he gave his life away, until that's who you are, man, there's always going to be a limit to your serving. You can't get to that no limits place. So this morning, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And if you do, you can just tell him, Jesus, you died, you rose again, forgive me, here is my life. And please, 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 if, if you do that today, tell us because we want to celebrate with you. and We want to talk with you about what those next steps in your journey of following him are. And for all of us, really, there's two things that we have to consider. One, will we go to practice? Every week, every Sunday, we got an opportunity to go to practice. We can serve on a team right here on this campus. So I think for most of us that it's just saying, hey, I'm going to be at team night. I'm serving already. And I want to be there to get fired up again. I mean, who can't get fired up from this graphic? Come on, people. (laughs) Or maybe it's saying, you know, I've never served before. But but I want the satisfaction that comes from showing up a Sunday and know that I'm not just consuming, but I am giving. (laughs) Because, man, that feels good. It's incredible. So I'm going to show up and take that step (laughs) to practice here on Sundays. And then the next thing is that we just go on publicchurch.com and we sign up for a partnership. Say, I am a servant, so serving is what I do. And in this next few moments, I'm going to commit. I'm going to say, I am coming alongside our international friends. I am coming alongside our widows. But go ahead and make that call. Take that action, because here's what you know, and here's what I think I know, that if we walk out that door and we don't do it, the likelihood of us doing it drops tremendously, almost to zero. I'll give us a little bit of credit. It drops tremendously. So let's take action now. Public worship is going to lead us in a song. And what a beautiful name. And it's a, the perfect reminder to why we do what we do. We do it all for the name of Jesus so that he can be given glory in the church. But before you stand and sing, let's take action. Because if we don't do it now, we may not do it. Jesus, thank you for Tabitha's life. What an amazing woman. <laughs> Thank you for this incredible story of miracles and you doing just immeasurably more than anyone could have ever imagined. And it all began with her serving. So I pray that you would inspire and challenge and move us to serve so we can get in on your no limits plan for this community. I pray that this community would know that we as individuals, that we are for them and that we as a church are for them just as we can know, Jesus, that you're for us. Move us to action. In your name we pray. Amen.